Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, who's ready for the Word of God? Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you open up to Philippians or click in that direction if you're using another method of reading the Bible. But we're going to have it on the screen, so if you don't have your Bible with you, don't worry. We'll have it up on the wall. We don't really have a screen. We have a wall just because, you know, we're different. We're cool. But Philippians is where we've been kind of camping out as a church for this vision season. We started off in Philippians chapter 1, and uh, now we're in Philippians chapter 3. But uh, it's an amazing letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And so in Philippians 3, I'm reading from the Message Translation. It says this, I'm reading in uh, verse 12. It says, I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have it made. But I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who is so wondrously, wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us forward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, is there anyone in here like that today, that you are wanting everything that God has for you? If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. I love that the spirit of Paul is, even if, even if you're not there yet, Paul is still encouraging you and just letting you know God's going to show up. He's going to be there for you. He says, you'll see it yet. Now that we're right on track, let's stay on it. So I want to preach a message today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, you can write this down. The future never looks so good for our city. The future has never looked so good for our city. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for our time together. God, we love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word, Lord, to to consider your scriptures. And Father, we thank you that it's when we do that, it's when we encounter your word, Lord. It's one way, the major way you speak to your people. So Lord, thank you for the opportunity to open up your word and to, to, to allow it to speak to us to allow you to speak to us. And so, God, we thank you for that, Lord. We believe for great things this morning. Thank you. You've already done so much this morning, God. We're so grateful that you're in the house. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to invade our lives right now. We open up our lives to you. Um, Speak to us, help us, guide us, counsel us, comfort us. We thank you that that's who you are, Holy Spirit. We love you. And thank you for our colonial kids and everything that's happening in colonial kids. We're so grateful for that. And Lord, we pray for the University of Florida Gators, Lord. We pray that you would just put us spirit of encouragement in them right now. Lord, thank you that it's just a blip in the radar. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Amen. I got a big amen for that in the 9 a.m. service. Big, big amen. The future never looks so good this season. Amen. So we started this series, The Future Never Looks So Good for Our World. 
And then the second part of the series, Jill and I brought a message called The Future Never Looks So Good for Our Relationships. And the idea was the future never looks so good for the world we live in, but it's also never looked so good for my world, for my relational world, for me, for my world, but also the world. But today I want to speak specifically about the future never looking so good for where God has caused us to be, for where God has called us and caused us to be here in our city, in this region, this part of the world. It's not by accident. You're not by accident. I'm not by accident. We were meant to be here to do this. Can I get an amen in church this morning? Don't get quiet on me. You ever been to a place that reminds you of a place you've been? Like a new place? Maybe you've gone there with, a, with a, your spouse or with a friend and you go to a place you've never been to before. And this happened to us a couple of years ago. But you go to that new place and you're like, man, this kind of reminds me of that place. Happened for us a couple of years ago. We were in England for, uh, went to, to the Hillsong Conference in London. And that was great. But we, we took a couple of days. We went down to, to the south, southern coast of England, to Bournemouth, just to kind of check it out. We'd never been there before. And uh, it was just really exciting. Got a rental car, drove on the way down there. Jill slept most of the way. I drove, pioneered. And <laughs> it's, it's our usual routine. Um, but I'll never forget this one vista. We came over this hill, and it was kind of like the point at which you start going down, you make yourself make your way towards, towards Bournemouth, towards the coastline. And I remember seeing it, we were driving in the rental car, and I said to Jill, I was like, I was like, babe, this reminds me so much. This place reminds me so much of the south coast of Sydney, of Australia, where we're from, where, where we lived, and we spent a lot of time going down there. It was just the same thing, but it reminded me of a place I'd been before. This letter to the church in Philippi, if you study Philippi as a city, it was like that for a lot of people that lived there because it was called like a little Rome and there were lots of Romans that went there to live. And it's amazing when you study this, this place and I've always been fascinated by this letter because it's Paul's happiest letter. He wrote it when he was in prison. He wrote it when he was oppressed and he's so happy for the people in Philippi. On one hand, he says, thanks for the cash. Thanks for the, thanks for the check in the mail. He says, thanks for the resource. Thanks for the support. But then he goes on and he just puts wind in the sails of the church in Philippi. So I began reading about this city and it's kind of amazing, but it was a Roman colony full of ancient history and it's actually a place that was on a major trade route in that part of Macedonia, that part of the, the north part of, uh, of the region. It was a major trade route. It was a, it was, it was a very spe- special place, and we read about it in Acts. It's a very, very special place, and it was, it was actually a hotly contested area. So on the one hand, it was privileged. It was a Roman colony. In fact, it was so privileged that the, the, the emperor had actually sent retired military veterans to go and live in Philippi so that they would be loyal to Rome. And so they sent them there, and if they sent them there, they gave them all kinds of privileges. There was no tax they had to pay, so they'd be able to deal, um, transfer property without paying any, any Roman tax. They would get um, special holidays, and it's actually kind of amazing. This place was kind of a great place, great, great opportunity, great place to live, kind of just had everything you'd want. Kind of sounds like where we live. I mean, you got the beach, got the golf courses, got the downtown, the restaurants. I mean, what else could you want? But that's what this place was. And for a lot of people there, it would have reminded them a lot of Rome. So we learn that, we read about it in Acts, this historical place. In fact, it was, 
It was so secular and so worldly in a sense and so filled with uh, Greek influence and Roman influence. There was actually almost no Jewish influence. It says that Paul, there wasn't even a synagogue for him to go to. There wasn't even a starting place for Paul. And we read about it. It's here in Acts chapter 16. Something happens to the society of Philippi, this place. So in Acts chapter 16, I want to read it to us in verse 11. This is after Paul has been prohibited from going to Asia by the Holy Spirit. And then before he attempts to go to Bithynia, it says the Spirit of Jesus doesn't allow him to go there. And then um, he gets a vision in the middle of the night of a Macedonian man. And this is Philippi, Macedonia, just in, in case you don't know. That's, that's basically the same place. Philippi is in Macedonia. But he gets a vision in the middle of the night from a man, a Macedonian man saying, please come and help us. So we pick it up here. It's in verse 11 of chapter 16. It says, so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and then the following days to Neapolis and from there to Philippi which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Verse 14, I love this line right here. One who heard us was a, named, a lady named Lydia. One. So it doesn't say that there was this big grandstand of people that were encouraging and fired up and listening and encouraging him. It says one, one lady from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, her whole household as well. She urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house today. And she prevailed Upon us. So here is this ancient world, this ancient city, this privileged, secular, great place to live that was probably just doing just fine. There was opportunity, there was a great place to live. Everything on the outside looked fine. Great place to be, no issues here, we're all good. And then Paul shows up with the gospel. Lydia gets saved, and the next thing you know, the church is alive in Jesus' name, completely changed forever. I love this story. It was a place that would never, ever, listen to me, friends, ever be the same again. It would never be the same again. Here is this place that was a little Rome that was completely a great place to be, a great place to grow up. Oh man, raise your kids here. They'll have everything you ever need. Everything was fine. And then all of a sudden... Jesus, the message of Jesus shows up in Philippi and it's never the same again. And then years later, we read this letter, Philippians, that Paul is sending to the church in Philippi, encouraging, exalting. Why did he do that? Why was he so excited? Well, this is what I believe he was so excited about. He was excited about the message of Jesus being fanned and fueled and sent forth and something was happening. He was so excited because it was a place now. Philippi was now a place where Jesus was known and was becoming more known. Yeah. It was a spirit, if you like, of revival. And I know it's not exactly the same as, as what I would talk about now with our city in revival because obviously the gospel is already here. But in the same sense, it's almost like the same thing. It's just this thing that spreads through the city and changes it forever. The landscape would never be the same again. 
The Spirit of God was moving and moving people. It's what happens when revival takes place in a city. And I want to prophesy today, revival into our city. I want to prophesy in Jesus' name that revival, point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Revival is coming. Revival is coming. See, the thing about revival is, and I've been studying these a little bit in the last little while, specifically two revivals in the last couple of weeks, the 1904 Welsh Revival and then the 1906 Azusa Street Revival. And I'm just genuinely interested in, 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 the, in the start of these revivals and what it was, what was the, what was the inflection point, what was the, what was the spark, what was the, what was the formula? And I, I just want to, can, can I fill you in on what it was? Real quick, real easy. Someone just got really fired up for Jesus. That's it. If you go back and look, someone has holy discontentment and says, enough is enough. I want people on fire for Jesus all around me. That's it. That's it. Someone gets passionate, hungry, and thirsty for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus to go forth in the land that they are in. For the unsaved to become saved. For the lost to become found. For the future to become a good looking future for the world around people. For eternities to shift. For God to light the flame. For things to begin to happen. For transformation to take place. For people to get, listen to me friends, to get radically saved. See, sometimes we need to actually think like this because it's so easy for us in our, in our peripheral to look at some people and say, oh, there's just no way they're ever going to get set on fire for Jesus. How do you know that? How do I know that? And the enemy wants us to have that mentality that, oh, there's just no hope for people like that. Well, that'll never happen to them. People probably could have said that about me. But this is how revival is birthed. You know, um, the people who study the church, the experts the church were, that study the church will say this about, about revival, that in the city or the, the, the area that, that the church is in, if 10% of that population, that, that, that group of people, 10%, I actually thought it was kind of a low number, but this is what apparently the experts say. 10% on fire for Jesus, in church, filled with the Spirit, hungry and passionate for God, 10%. If 10% of the population is like that, then that, that city, that area is in revival. In revival. And I began to study just kind of like, even just, I, I like to just understand definitions. I love to understand what, what things mean. And if you study revival in the truest sense, let me read it to you. It says an improvement of condition. It doesn't say restoration to the same level it was. It says improvement. And not just that, it says it's restored to a better state. So it doesn't just mean that something's coming back to life. It means that it's coming back and it's going to be in a better position. It's going to be a better state. It's going to look better than it did. It's going to look greater than it ever has. And it's actually going to be a new thing. And it's going to come back better and stronger. Our, our county has, as of 2018, 254,000 people in it. That's our county, 254,000 people. And there's people also forecasting that in the next decade, that number will double. I can't get my head around that exactly, but that's apparently what's going to happen. There'll be a doubling of it. 
And the experts say that if 10% is in revival, but I don't know about you, but I just think about the potential for our church alone. And then the, 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 the unity of all the churches that I personally am in contact with. I, I'm part of a group in our county of pastors and we're all in relationship together because if you study what the experts say, no one church can do that on their own. You need to be in, in, in a unified way, working with other churches and believing together to see amazing things. But I want to prophesy today that revival is in fact coming. But I wonder this morning, friends, do you believe it? Do you see it? That revival is coming. We're the type of church we're believing to see it. I love that Paul, he established the church in Philippi and like on the outside, it just would have been like, I just love Paul's pioneering spirit. He's just like, there's no synagogue. There's no obvious. There's not even a place necessarily that would be the best place to go first. He ends up outside the gates on the Sabbath with a bunch of women. And they're all just going there to pray. And he's like, I'll just start here. And Lydia gets saved and that's it. It's all over. Next thing we know, he's writing letters to this church and encouraging them to press on towards the goal and to don't give up and just let the Spirit of God unblur your vision if you don't have total commitment. It's just like, it's amazing. And I love that it just starts with one person who it says the Lord opened her heart to receive what Paul was saying. I pray that we would be the type of church that would never overlook the one, would never be the type of church that overlooks even just one person. Hearing the gospel can absolutely change the future of a city. (laughs) Revival is coming. And I believe we're in an age, listen to me, friends, I believe we're in a time and we're in an age where there is a genuine desperation for answers. Young people, especially today, are asking these questions. Why am I here? What is this all about? I want answers. I believe we're in a generation that questions more than they ever have before. Questions, existential questions, wanting to know why, why, why. And the answers aren't found in a nice city or a nice lifestyle. And there's a world out there that's trying to answer those questions with just more emptiness. But we are part of the church, which is the answer for the world. Why? Because Jesus is the head of the church. It's a game changer for everyone. But we've got to be the type of people that believe revival is coming in Jesus' name. So I want to ask you again, do you believe it? Do you see it? Come on, let's all say it together. I believe it. I can see it in Jesus' name. Come on. I need to do that more in church. I like that. It's good. All right, number one, revival is coming. Number two, revival is awakening. Revival is awakening, a widespread spiritual awakening. That's what revival is. See, revival, a lot of people think, oh, that's the stadium deal, right? No, that's a byproduct of what revival is. Revival starts in here. Revival starts in my heart. Revival is a posture of the heart towards the Lord that is completely awakened and open to what God wants to do. That's revival. And revival begins in our hearts. Revival is an awakening. A city can be awakened to what the Spirit is doing. A region can be awakened to the Spirit. A city and a region can be awoken to something that they never knew existed before, but it starts on the inside. There's a new birthing. I love this. I wrote this down. A new birthing of a heart for the Lord. 
Think of a friend or a family that you know, someone that maybe, if you were to look at them right now, you'd say, they don't really have a heart for the Lord. They don't really have a heart for, for our Heavenly Father. But revival says that there can be a birthing of this heart. And the thing about it is it's actually in them. But it's just being awoken and being, being waking up. I want to read you a few verses. Look at this. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. Remember, it's got nothing to do with us, what we do, our abilities even. Thank God for that. If it was down to our abilities, we'd be dead in the water. He says, It works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. But look at these words. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us than when we first believe. This isn't talking about physical sleep. It's talking about spiritual sleep. There are people right now that spiritually speaking are asleep in our city, that, were, that were, are sleeping in the spiritual, that are completely, uh, the, 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 the switch is turned off to the spirit realm right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So that they're not, they're not tuned in spiritually, but we're believing through revival, they will be set, set uh, the, 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 the button will be turned on. And all of a sudden the spirit will come alive. That's what happens when we get saved. We go from a place of being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive in Jesus' name. And there's a whole world out there right now that are sleeping spiritually that we believe through revival will come alive. Ephesians chapter three. And verse 13 says, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. I want to be the type of pastor that makes the best use of the time that we're in, the best available resources, the best use of everything we got. Why? Because the days are evil. I don't know about you, but I just want to be part of a mighty rising up. A mighty waking up. Mighty uh, just people just coming out of their homes on a Sunday morning in droves into church to meet with Jesus and be part of what the church is doing. That's what I'm believing for. See, revival is awakening. You know, I didn't know how much I needed Jesus until I met Jesus. Just going to let that sink in for a second. I didn't realize how much I needed Jesus until I actually met Jesus. And if we're not the type of people that are willing to take that approach, understanding why do we pioneer? Why do we do this? Why do we go out of our way to do this? Why? It's because, because I have an understanding. We have an understanding. I didn't realize how much I needed Jesus until I met Jesus. And there are people that are in that boat and we need to pioneer a way for them in Jesus' name. And I believe that in our lifetime, we're going to see revival right here. Well, I need to confess something this morning. It's confession time. Is it okay if I confess right now? Great. Um, Vision Sunday a few, a few weeks ago, I wasn't completely forthcoming. I didn't reveal everything that God had put on my heart. And there was a reason for it. Some of you are like, what is he talking about right now? 
you're freaking us out, Pastor. Just go back to preaching. No, um, but there was just something we left out, and it was, you know, for good reason. But is it okay if I share it with you right now? And just remember, I'm preaching on revival. Come on, let's watch. So I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine seats filled thousands upon thousands. Imagine a church without walls. Imagine the sound of people worshiping God and it echoing out through the city and through our streets and through the atmosphere. And imagine people coming that have never been before because they feel comfortable. Imagine people who have been their whole lives but God igniting something on the inside of them because of what He's doing in that moment. And that leads us to our next announcement. So we're stepping out in faith and we're believing for that vision that we've had to become a reality. So we're excited to announce today that for the very first time, our church is going to host a Good Friday worship service at the Amphitheater. It's so exciting to think about the possibilities. Just think about it. Someone maybe who hasn't been to church in a long time, maybe someone who who has walked away from their faith, maybe someone who has never encountered Jesus and His grace ever, coming to a service like that and encountering Him for the very first time. So we're excited about it. I hope you are as well. I hope you'll really take this one to heart and really believe as we put plans into place, as we mobilize people and make a Good Friday service at the amphitheater happen. Oh, come on. Come on, can we get excited? Come on. That, I'm believing, is revival. There's 4,000 seats in that amphitheater. And I'm believing we're going to fill every single one. And hey, if it doesn't happen in the first year, we're just going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it. I'm believing every single Good Friday, we're going to be in that amphitheater hosting a worship service, preaching the Word of God, seeing people just come in. And just being a part of something like that, I really believe. I mean, if we can't take, if we can't bring the church in here, we'll just take the church out there. We'll take the church to them. But this is exciting. This is a step of faith. This is something that, by the way, I just signed all of you up for a job because basically we're all going to have to do this together. It's going to take every single one of us. There's no way we can pull this off on our own. But we're going to host a Good Friday worship service. We're going to worship God. We're going to Fill that place, and I believe it's going to change the landscape of our city. One of the ways it's going to change the landscape of our city. Not, we're not the only one doing great things here in our city, or you know, trying to do great things in our city. There are other churches doing amazing things, but this is going to be something that I believe just be incredible. Yeah. Revival is awakening, yeah. and it's something that we're believing for in Jesus' name. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take... Just a desire to, to see people come into relationship with Jesus, to, to invite as many people as we can, to, to ask people to, to go out of their way to be there. And, you know, I think even just like, think about some of the people that could be impacted by this, people that just absolutely have no idea about this message, coming to a service like that thinking, okay, I'll just go and check it out, but being impacted by the presence of God seeing something completely different to something that maybe they're, they're used to. Even people come from, come from all kinds of backgrounds and contexts, but encountering true and genuine heartfelt worship, it's powerful. So revival is coming. <laughs> it's coming. 
It's coming. Revival is awakening. And number three is this. Revival starts with me. Revival starts with me. Look at what it says in, back in Philippians chapter 3, verse 15. He says, let's keep focused on that goal. The goal of pushing towards what Jesus has. He says, those of us who want everything God has for us. Those of us who want everything that God has for us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on anything God's got for me. I don't want to miss out on the potential that God has for me. I believe every single one of us has God-given, destined potential inside of us. And it can be realized. But look at what he says. Let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has. Those of us. It doesn't start in a field. doesn't start in a stadium. doesn't start in an amphitheater. It starts right in here. That's where revival starts. What is it? It's a revival spirit, but it begins in the human heart. So that's the thing about all this. I love it. I love this about God. He doesn't just say, go out and do this stuff. He doesn't say to you, maybe if you're facing this big endeavor you want to step into, he doesn't say to you, go out and do it. He says, be it first. It's what's going on on the inside that matters more to God than what's going on on the outside. That's why when it comes to revival, it's not about doing anything, but it's about starting with a heart and a posture that says revival starts with me. God, I am hungry. Lord, I am desperate. Father, I am so passionate about what you have on offer. I want to, I want to receive it for myself, but I want all my friends to have it as well. I want every people that aren't even my friends, I want them to have it as well. My neighbours my co-workers, my kids' teacher. I want everyone to have in on what I am in on. That's how revival starts. Through the posture of surrender. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.